1: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Welcome on in to a brand
0: new High Hopes podcast. Uh, I am joined by a guy who would never try running on Jorge Alfaro. John Marks, welcome back, Johnny. How was the? Uh, how was the beach? Uh,
2: the beach was great. Never, ever, ever would I try to run on Jorge Alfaro unless I had a really slow, plodding, right-handed starter to where I could get a huge jump off him, like Steve Trashell. Remember, Trashel was garbage. But other than that, man, you're right. Beach was great. Uh, if you hear fireworks in the background, it's because everybody in my neighborhood is is blowing off fireworks. So uh, yeah, hi Jack. Good good while evening. While they
0: are blowing up while they are blowing up fireworks, we are <laughs> inside recording iHost because because John, we have a fun baseball team. Uh, how much fun are you having getting back into like good, competent uh, night in, night out? Baseball,
2: Yeah, man, that's not, not our style to brag here at the High Hopes podcast, but, you know, Never. yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we were kind of in on this early beginning of the season. All three of us between me, you and James all had him right there as the second wild card. Um, and I don't know if I thought if I thought they were going to be this good with starting pitching. I thought the lineup would carry them and and they're coming on a little bit here. And as we get into July, but it, it, you said it, man, it's it's just a fun season. It's a fun. Um, it's a fun atmosphere. It's fun to see the young players growing and succeeding and. Everybody hates the manager, or hated the manager, or you gotta rip them. Oh, you gotta be honest with people. Um, And and I'm I'm glad they're winning right in those people's faces because he's done a really good job. He has.
0: Yeah, they're uh, they're 47 and 37, uh, 10 games over 500 for the first time since 2011, which like I can't believe (laughs) seven years ago. Wow. Um, Since June 9th. The the Phillies are 15 and seven. The Braves are 12 and nine, and the Nationals are five and 17. This was supposed to be this team's hardest stretch of the season. They came away 15 and seven in June. The Nationals are one game under 500 for the season, and the Braves. Listen, we gotta tip our caps. The Braves are a good team, but 15 and seven, going through the hardest portion of your schedule, and now, tw- uh, well, now after this series, before the series, it was 20 of their next 23 against teams with a losing record. This thing could get popping really fast.
2: Yeah, they got to win these games, though. You know what I mean? With ba- with it, it, This is baseball right here where you th- you think you just got through the tough stretch and you're feeling great about yourself and, and you have teams that you should beat and they come in and they beat you. But you're right, man. It Didn't it look like for a while, Jack, that, that it was coming back down to earth, that it was going to be like, all right, they're not ready this year. They're not as good as we thought. The first couple months was a mirage, and they really did turn it around. Great. Listen, success against the Nationals was really the key. That Yankee series looked a lot uglier than I think it was. Winning one of those three games, they're right there. It's the beginning of July. They're not going anywhere, and they're going to add to the team. And Jack, the team, the team's going to be right there for it when the playoffs are, are are coming down. The last week of the season, they're going to be there. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, and I don't know, like. I can't tell you what this team does really well. Like, I think their staff's good. I think their bullpen is. I mean, their bullpen's been unbelievable in yeah. this last like four games. Uh, yeah. The offense is inconsistent, but really they just battle, they grind, they never think they're out of a game, and they just find ways to win games. Even though even though they don't have the top end talent, they don't do one thing particularly elite. They find ways to win ball games, and I think that I think that's got to give you know, you got to give a lot of credit to Gabe Kapler for instilling that mentality in these guys.
2: There's a winning attitude about this team, right? You're I, I don't know specifically what you could say that Kapler has done to the team to make them better than they were. Last. I mean, I, it, it, it's, it's so hard sometimes to, to put your finger on exact things. They're, they have a winning attitude. They think they're going to win these games and they had a lot of confidence. Dude, I, I was down spring training interviewing these guys, Nick Williams, Aaron Altair, um, who else did we talk to? Just a, kind of a young core that was there and Scott Kingery. And they all definitely had the attitude of, no, we can win this year. No, this isn't a, a rebuilding year. No, there's a lot of talent on this team. And they're right. And, you know, Nick Williams, I, he looked like he wasn't even going to be playing much this year. He's, he's starting to almost carry them offensively. Um, it's, a, it's amazing. It really is. It's amazing we're sitting here at, at July 4th, fireworks are going off, and the Phillies are one of the best teams in the National League.
0: And the longer they stay in this race, the longer they keep playing this kind of baseball, the more this young team is going to believe that they can go in, into any ballpark and win, whereas if a team like the Nationals, you know, they're older. They've been here before, but it's also hard to, you know, get it going for such an old team, whereas if you're a young team, a young energetic team, you can just be almost naive in a sense and think you can win. Any ball game, and that's kind of where I think this team is at at the moment.
2: Thirty and sixteen at home; uh, they play eleven yeah. straight now. Coming up on the road, uh, they're seventeen to twenty-one on the road. So obviously, and playing well at home is is great. You go five hundred on the road; you go around five hundred on the road, and you're and you're good at home. You're going to be a playoff team. Aaron Nola is probably their only all-star. He has been sensational, so he's got to continue for the second half, but. Right now, they're doing everything. And listen, Baltimore's a bad team. That's a, it's a bad team. They, Chris, the you know why they're a bad team? They pay guys like Chris Davis who stink and shouldn't be out there a ton of money. And the Phillies haven't done that yet. And they have, you know, they they have Aaron Nola out there today, and Cesar played played well defensively. Jorge is out there. It's just it's a fun team, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they obviously, they don't have the monstrosity of the the Chris Davis contract. Which at the time was even like, what are you? Doing? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, they're a team that's been, they're a team that hasn't embraced modern baseball and, and it clearly shows because they held on to Manny Machado and now aren't gonna get nearly as much as they should have uh, in a in a future Manny Machado trade. But uh, back to the series for a second. Uh, Tuesday night, uh, you, listen you have to take you have to you have to take care of business in in games against teams that are bad. Um, especially coming off of the stretch that we're in, obviously it was the tough stretch of the season, but you have to take care of business against bad teams, and for the, for them to come out, win these two games against a bad team, I think was was important for the growth of this team. that They weren't starting to sniff themselves. Um, now the Orioles are terrible, but uh, Zach Eflin was masterful again. Uh, really, he just he's learning how to pitch. He's he, he's not coming up here and just throwing hard and not knowing where the ball is going and and whatnot. He, he has a legitimate change up now. His slider is getting more depth to it since since he came back up. And it's 96 to both sides of the plate. He's a guy that's going to throw strikes, and he's hard to square up for seven innings. And I trust Zach Eflin, John.
2: Yeah, and man, I I remember earlier this season he had— did he have a good start to start the, the season, or his first, first couple— of, and then he kind of came back down to earth. And he did that last year, too. He really flashed some brilliance. And then you're like, uh, see, here's the problem— and I'm so guilty of this, and I think a lot of fans are today. It's the same like in the NFL. If you're a rookie quarterback, you're supposed to be successful right away. There's no time for learning, and, oh, he stinks. It's the same thing with pitchers. It really is same thing for Major League Baseball players in general. But here's the reality. these are Nick Pavetta had, had some growing pains last year. Not everybody comes up like Aaron Nolan is an all-star in a year or two, or Cole Hamels. Um, and I think what you're seeing with Eflin right now is really an emergence of a play. He's got great stuff, but you said it. Every, a lot of people have 96-mile-an-hour fastballs uh, and can throw it. It's throwing it with command. It's throwing it, like you said, to both sides of the plate. It's having a changeup, which makes the fastball so much better. And, the, and you're right, that slider, L.A. talks was talking about it on the broadcast today, or, or his last start, that slider has really become his go-to pitch in a lot of cases. Eflin, Noah, Arietta's been has been disappointing. He's been terrible, but he hasn't been great recently. You keep getting these other guys pitching like they're pitching. This is a team's going to win ninety games the, the way they're pitching right now. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and obviously he had to get pulled after after eighty two pitches um, because of a blister. Uh, at the moment, I was really mad. I was mad at Gabe because I was like, just leave him in there. He's at eighty two pitches. Your bullpen it was taxed from the. From the back-to-back games, a seven-seven innings shutout ball. Um, I would have liked seeing Zach Eflin stay out there, but he did not uh, because of the blister. Hopefully, everything is fine there. And then brought in Tommy Hunter, which he is just—he is really just gonna—he's gonna make sure Tommy Hunter's bad before he doesn't go to him in, in a tight ball game. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then Sir Anthony. So Sir Anthony, I know you were big on the Sir Anthony closer thing. Um, yeah, and he's bec- seems
2: and he's become the closer if you haven't noticed.
0: Well, he's sort of had like, yeah, he, he's the closer he's had to out of necessity in, because really like here's, here's where I am at on the Sir Anthony closer thing. I think his best role going forward is in the fireman role that can pitch multiple innings. But for this team right now, they need a guy at the back of the bullpen that can, that can just end the ball game. And if they go out and get a Brad hand, they go out and get a legitimate closer at the deadline and let Sir Anthony float, I think that is a better usage of Sir Anthony. But at the, at the, at the current moment of this team, he probably has to be at the back of the bullpen um, just shutting the door.
2: Yeah. No, I, I, it, we, I, I was waiting all season for roles to actually happen and to naturally organically happen, and it just, it just wasn't happening. But you're right. This last week, this last two weeks, I guess, who, who else were you going to put in there? You know, like Tommy Hunter's pitching the eighth. He can't even get out of the eighth inning. You got to, you got to bring Sir Anthony in for an inning in the third. Uh, Ramos going down, uh, hurt him. Uh, you have Nishek back. I, I, who knows what you are going to get out of him? Uh, last year he was so good. He, he's he's had a great career, but I mean, who, who knows coming back this year? So. Um maybe they add another arm. I know Zach Britton, even if he's not your closer, he'd be a great lefty to have out of the pen to be an eighth or a ninth inning guy. Um so hey, listen, Contact has something to work with here. He's got a good he's got a good minor league system where he has a lot of depth. He can trade some guys and, and just get a bullpen arm. Uh I, I want one, maybe two more, but definitely one. I, I want Britain I do. I, 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 I need so I need somebody that, that has his stuff. Obviously, isn't his uh, the velocity's not once what it was, but he knows how to pitch. He knows how to close, so um, I, I still try to target somebody that's closed games, and you can just kind of work it out from there.
0: Yeah, he's been bad since he's been back. I think he has an ERA in like the the mid sixes. Yep. Um, but he was still today when he pitched, he was still ninety four, ninety five. He saw he saw the sink, and he still has a wipeout slider. So this is pretty much his spring training. I'm not completely out on Zach Britton. Um, and really, listen—you can get him for a way cheaper price now than you would have if he was healthy and, and pitching to his full capabilities. So yeah. maybe get him on a buy low and and let him kind of figure out his stuff here. Give you another reliable member of the bullpen. Um, but yeah, do, do you? We, me, and James talked about this on the last podcast. But do you kind of think that Gabe is starting to 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 figure out what he's doing? You think he's starting to getting into a, a bit of a rhythm, managing wise? Because it feels like the bullpen. Has all settled down a little bit. You kind of know when guys are coming in, where it feels like the lineup. He knows what he's doing now. Do you think Gabe is uh is settling into a bit of a rhythm here?
2: Well, they, they um I know that, that James played it on the on the midday show. Uh, it was a cut from Capler on the on the WIP morning show, and they asked him if he's learned stuff. And paraphrasing, you know, he said yes, but also talking about making moves. That even if it's something that he doesn't necessarily believe in, or it's what the book or the numbers say, he has he has been making calls and making decisions based on what his players think, and maybe what the city of Philadelphia thinks. So, I mean, we're we're just over half the season as far as games. I know it's not the All Star break, but what are they? Ninety four games in, or something? like What? How many games are they in? Eighty four. It's, I know it's just the yeah, 84. They're just over uh, the 81.
0: Yeah, not a math guy.
2: Well, I, well, they're 37 and, and 27, so they'd be...
0: Well, what's the record? I don't even know. 47 and 37. Yeah, so they're 84. We'll figure this, we'll figure this out. They're 84 games. Is...
2: They're 84 games. 81 would be the halfway point. 81 and there 81. Go. So they're a, a couple games over. Thank you. Um, <laughs> this is his first time managing, really, ever. So... He's on a complete, he's in a completely new organization, a completely new team. He's got the Gabe Kapler's got these ideas of oh, I'm going to do this and do that. And You know what happens? You end up doing some of the things that you wanted to do, and you end up compromising, doing some things that your team feels more comfortable and more confident doing. And that's what Gabe Kapler's been doing. And that's what good managers and good managers in baseball are, just in general in regular business. That's what they do. They adapt. And he's already shown that he can adapt. So yes, I, I agree with you, Jack. I. It, you can see that roles are really starting to be defined naturally. And I think by the time we reach middle August here, you're going to know who your 7th inning guy is. You're going to know who your 8th inning guy is. And if your ninth inning guy is Sir Anthony, it's Sir Anthony. If it's a guy that's acquired at the trade deadline, it's going to be that guy. But we'll see. It, everything is working itself out. I agree.
0: And you know what's so funny is you know, everyone's all worried about, oh, maybe he's Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly never adjusted. Chip Kelly never changed. Chip Kelly didn't like his players. Like it, it, that was always such a lazy narrative, and now you're seeing it playing out on the field. Yeah, Chip, um, Chip Kelly.
2: Chip Kelly had communication problems. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly is is. I've heard people say somewhere on the spectrum as far as he just lacks those communication and interpersonal skills to where that's Gabe's bread and butter. He that's all he wants to do is communicate with the guys. He Loves communicating. He loves it. Uh, one
0: one of the things I've really noticed with playing more to feel than uh, using the numbers and the analytics is with Aaron Nola and today was another scenario where he could have pulled him could have brought in a guy to try to finish out the inning but he trusted Aaron Nola in a big spot the the only high pressure moment of the game really um, and Aaron Nola came through in the toughest part of the game and I think early in the season Gabe would have pulled him there and, and put in someone else but in his maturation, and in his watching Aaron Nola blossom into this ace, he knows that Aaron Nola knows how to get out of the situation and really is probably his best bet to get out of that situation. Uh, Aaron Nola, once again today, seven innings, uh, nine Ks, two walks, seven hits, just dominance once again. He will be in Washington uh, for the All-Star game. What a, what a season for, for number twenty seven.
2: Yeah, and on pace to win twenty games if he keeps doing what he's doing, and he just you know really a model of consistency, where he can give up seven hits, he can scatter seven hits over seven, uh, because he's getting swing and miss strikeouts. He's getting when he needs the out, he's able to wiggle out of a runner or two on base. So he he has been amazing. He really has. the The question marks I had about Aaron was, can he do it for a whole season? Can he stay healthy? We know he's got great stuff. Um, this is something that I said at the, at the probably the I think I said it in spring training, and my co-host Ike Reese like looked at me. It was like that's a pretty bold statement, and it wasn't that he's he's more accomplished than Cole Hamels. It's not that he's a, a better pitcher than Cole Hamills. Hamels. I just said, yeah, his stuff is better than Cole Hamels. He's got better stuff. Cole Hamels is a fastball changeup pitcher. He's, he he had, he's a good pitcher. He was he's a great Philadelphia Philly. Um, but Aaron Nola has elite stuff. And Aaron Nola is amazing. Aaron
0: Nola, Aaron Nola is closer to Greg Maddox than he is Cole Hamill. <laughs>
2: well that's what that that was my point, is that there there's he commands usually, and even though he kind of poo-pooed it one of the times I interviewed him where he's like, Well, you know, it's not often that you 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 have great command and control over all three of your pitches. Well, I'll be damned. It looks like most starts he's got pretty good to command at all his pitches. And if you can throw three pitches at any point in any count for strikes, you're going you're gonna to win a lot of games. And that's what we're seeing with Nola right now, just like you saw with Greg Maddox.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think Eflin's developing the same kind of way. Multiple times the other night, Eflin was dropping in 2-1 curveballs, 2-1 changeups, getting back into a count that way. And when you have the confidence in those pitches, it, it, the hitter doesn't know what's coming. And then when you face a guy like Aaron Nola, it's 94. It's starting at your shoulder yeah. and ending up right in the middle of the plate to go along with a changeup that falls right off the table but moves just like his fastball. So you have, you have two plain pitches right in the same thing. It's, just, it's, it's almost impossible. And then he has a, a curveball, which I don't know how you square up his curveball. Yeah. I must look like down and into a lefty. But for a righty, it's, it's, it's just unhittable. Like he, His three pitches that he commands, that he knows where it's going, it's it's such a weapon, and LA has mentioned this many times. But now in today's game, having command is just like having like another pitch, basically. Yeah. When you when you can yep. when you can throw the ball wherever you want, you know guys just aren't ready for a pitcher like that in this in in today's game. And watching a guy like Aaron Nola go out there every once every five days, it's a treat. It's it's just a treat to watch a throwback actual pitcher, and Aaron Nola. It's 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 like watch it's it's watching a magician out there. I I can't I can't watch enough Aaron Nola.
2: He's fun and um and the the one thing now I I wonder about Eflin is because the league is going to adjust to him. You know that what he's doing, it's great because you're right. He's down in the count. You have you'll have a pitcher up there or a batter up there looking fastball and he's not getting it. So now how does the league adjust to to Eflin and what he's able to do? Uh, the league's going to maybe adjust Aaron Nola, but it seems like that he's now made the adjustment. So I'll be interested to see what, especially facing, um, facing the nationals for a second time. Cause now you're going to see a lot of Mets. You're going to see a lot of some of these other teams. What do these teams do the second time around on Eflin? Because he, he has looked really, really good. He doesn't look like a number three or a number four starter in an average rotation. He looks he looks like he has a lot of upside, which means the Phillies have a lot, a lot of upside to, upside too. I know we're we're gonna we're gonna answer some Twitter questions uh, here coming up in a little bit, Jack. I want to remind people uh, to give us good ratings. Just don't give us ratings when you rate the podcast, but give us good ratings. Great ratings. Only if we deserve it. Ratings. Yeah, five star ratings. If you think we suck, just don't rate it. Because I don't want you know, I don't want the oh, it's, uh, you know, but um, I'm just. You don't kidding. have anything nice to say. Don't say no, nothing at all. If that's, you, that's what my mom told me. If you think we suck, you can give us a bad rating. But give us a rating, uh, however you watch it. I've had, I don't really understand the podcast stuff. I had people asking me, well, why aren't you on Spotify? And that's what I listen to. And I have friends that would listen if you were on Spotify. I'm like, I don't know, man. I just, you know, I go to iTunes or whatever. But um, give us a rating. We're going to be doing this. Uh, you know, we're having two or three podcasts a week. As we, uh, hey man, All Star Break's coming up, and then we have a stretch run of Phillies playoff baseball. Hopefully,
0: uh, a summer of Phillies playoff baseball. Like it, it's been too long. I'm so glad it's back. Um, two things from from today's game. A little bit of a side topic. Uh, one, did you see that fraud Marlins man in the uh, in the stands today?
2: I did. <laughs> I, hate, I can't stand him. <laughs> he looks at his phone the whole time. I know he he's does. He's
0: showing the guy next to him. He has to be placed front and center, right behind home plate in that stupid Marlins outfit. I hate Marlins, man.
2: Um, yeah, Mar- Marlins, man. He he said he he is uh, he he's such a phony and a fake. You know what I mean? It's a it's. Yeah. Uh, I saw it. I saw I can't
0: it. Stand him. Uh, also, uh, obviously, the elephant in the room this whole weekend. It felt like. Was was Manny Machado? He was dapping off with Carlos Santana before the game today. Also, we want Manny chance raining down from the from the bowels of of Citizens Bank Park. Any problems with the We Want Manny chance?
2: Um. Well, I I, I thought it was uh I thought it was unnecessary. I wouldn't have been doing that if the team is if the team was ten games under five hundred or where they were last year. Yeah, you you could do that. You know what I I. It, Let's worry about Manny Machado at the end of the season or at the trade deadline if they make a trade. Um, he wants to come here if you give him a half a billion dollars. Uh, Mikel Franco made a hell of a play to to help seal a win the other night. So, you know, Jack, it, it's interesting because you're going to have everybody in the world that wants Cole Hamels back here, and I don't think it's going to happen. And you're going to have maybe a, a new third baseman, depending on what happens with Franco. If they can get a Beltre or a Moustakas, I, I don't machado wants to play shortstop anyway but uh, yeah i i wouldn't have been down there chanting his name i'll just say that that's for sure
0: yeah 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 and there was obviously the report today from jim salisbury um came out and i guess machado said that he would be open to signing an extension uh during the season which i thought was really interesting and listen man if that's the case that changes all the packages like I mean, because it's not like the Phillies are going to trade for him and not offer him 400 million. Like, they'll offer him 400 million or whatever it takes, even if he, the, even if they trade for him and he signs an extension mid-season. Like I don't think that's a, that's the problem. But the fact that he even said he was open to it, it seems he, he mentioned Joe Jordan, and all the old Orioles guys. It, it just feels like it feels like he's going to be a Philly. And I, there, there's just been so much buzz about about how that they're the only team that's making a, a legit offer for for him. And the only way they're making a legit offer, in my opinion, like they're too smart, is if he's going to sign an extension. And I, I, it just feels like the, the, the dots are aligning.
2: Well, yeah, he'll sign an, an extension with the team if they give him $400 million. Yeah, of course. And, and they will. And they will. Well, I, I, hey, listen, if, if they want to give up a package to get him and get him signed, sealed, delivered right now, I'm in. 100% I'm in. Do it, do it right now. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to, going to. You said it earlier in the podcast. The Orioles butchered this because they had to know whether or not they were going to sign him, and everybody knew that that he wasn't going to resign there. Right, Bryce Harper's going back to the Nationals, or they're going to do their damnedest to keep him. Machado is good as gone in Baltimore, so why not trade him last year? Why not trade him in the offseason? Why not get another year so you could, you know, a team can at least say, well, we have him under club control for two years, or even for one season. I don't know what they're going to get, but they haven't haven't handled the the trading situation to him very well down there. I'll take him. I'll take him right now.
0: (laughs) That's a bold take. It's a bold take. We take him right now. All right. So uh, let's get into some Twitter questions real quick um, from our friend B Wanks at Over at Crossing Broad. Uh, Do you guys think popular media will pretend they've been watching the Phillies now? I do and have already seen it.
2: Oh, yeah. People are jumping on the bandwagon already.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're starting to talk about it a little bit. Like, oh, how about Aaron Nola? Listen, you, you can spot the fakes. You can spot the fakes when they start talking about the Phillies for sure.
2: Well, come August, you know what's going to happen if this team is still ten games over five hundred, you're going to get a lot of people that are that are jumping on the bandwagon. You know what? That's fine because just like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and all the all the all the people out there that were, I think you were in this camp, Jack. that was like Nick Foles sucks. He's not winning anything. They can't win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. They have no chance. Well, then the team starts winning, and they win a Super Bowl, and everybody enjoys it. So I'm going to enjoy the Philly success just like we were enjoying it at the beginning of the season because we were on board before all these other losers would be. All right. Uh,
0: from, from Andrew Rickmeyer, uh, Machado Trade Rumor Thoughts, and uh, what's with the offense? So the offense is uh, – it's – the offense is just the offense at this point. Like it's gonna they always play for the big inning and when they don't get the big inning, it's gonna it's gonna look like a it's gonna look like a disheveled mess out there. Um, yeah. they strike out a lot. They play for the home run. It's kind of how their offense is built. It's not it's not built for consistency, that's for sure. Um, you're going to have some out- offensive output, but it's not as bad as it was when both Adubal and Hoskins were going through their major slumps.
2: Um, well, I, I, I'll, I'll say this about the, the offense. Um, the, the, I think they have, they have enough as long as they're getting, let's face it, they're, they're winning and, and dying with, uh, they're winning and dying on their, their starting pitching and their bullpen, the bullpen's been fantastic. Um, so, Hey, listen, we'll see, we'll see what they they're able to do. Uh, as far as the Machado rumor, I guess the real trade is what would you be willing to give up now? That's the real question. What would you give up right now? What would you be willing to?
0: Uh, well, supposedly they covet J.P. Crawford, um, which I guess if you move him... yeah, when you move J.P. Crawford, you're giving up five years of team control for a two-month rental, which I, I think is just a stupid idea. But I guess if you don't believe in him long-term, Kingery, like, at least he looks semi-competent defensively at shortstop. Yeah, but recently. here's the, but,
2: but here's the other thing with... With J.P. Crawford, if you're trading for Machado, he wants he's playing shortstop. He's made that very clear. You want J.P. Crawford playing third base? Y- you need to have a better bat at third base. Maybe if he's your super utility guy, I don't want to get rid of J.P. Crawford, but you have a you have a glut of middle infielders. And Kingery, no, has, no, looked know, up, I- Kingery has looked has looked alright at shortstop. He, he just he, he's not a 100, 150 game player at shortstop. Put him at second
0: base. I know. I know. I know. Well, th- what I'm saying is that the 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 Orioles covet J.B. Crawford and trade rumors. That was the, right. the latest from from this week. So I just don't. I don't like giving a guy that has five more years left for a two month rental that I'm not sure they're gonna resign. Um, you know, if, if it comes down to it, and you can't lock in an extension, you can't get a wink wink on an extension, but you want to bring yeah. him here and give it give him a chance on buying into the culture. I mean, like, I don't know Medina. Medina, Irvin, Adonis. And a Medina. lower level. Yeah, Adonis Medina, Irvin, and like a, I don't know, one of the lower level hitters. I I can't give up, I can't give up a lot for a guy that's gonna be a two month rental that I can't bank on. Now, if you're telling me if you're if he's gonna give me a wink wink, and hey, it's gonna happen. Give me four hundred million. I'll resign now. Whatever. Which supposedly he might be open to. That changes the whole equation. It changes my it. Pack, yeah. My package goes through the roof because you're get, yeah. you're getting a, a Hall of Fame caliber player that I know he wants to play shortstop. He stinks at shortstop. He's going to be at third base a, 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 soon enough. I'm not worried about him uh. long term wanting to be a shortstop. The only reason he said he wanted to play shortstop was so he can get as much money as possible. He sucks at shortstop, so he'll he'll get his ass back over to third base.
2: Yeah, after a couple years, you're right. He will. All
0: right, so I guess we'll move on um, from uh, from uh, at. Babe cell champ. I don't know what that means. Um, Castellanos a fit here, uh, your guys' opinion. So Nick Castiano's the guy that was always rumored in the Jonathan Papelbon trade <laughs> trade discussions, uh, is 26 years old, having actually a good year, 309 batting average, 354 OPP, uh, 13 homers. Obviously would help the offense a ton, but from from what I've read and heard, he is an, a, an abomination in the outfield. So having him and Hoskins... We'd pretty much just get rid of any kind of semblance of a good defense in the outfield, but it would be a major upgrade over Nick Williams and Aaron Altair in right
2: field. Well, I haven't seen. Um, I, I haven't seen. Are they looking to move them? I haven't seen where. Why would. Why would the Tigers be looking to move them? Um, but you're right because. Well, I
0: guess they're, they're technically. A, they're. They're gonna. They're a fire sale. So. I mean, yeah, but he's he not gets, making like, it. He, he's right. not
2: making. I don't know his contractual status, but he's not making any money. He's, he's still a relatively young player. They're not. And they're he can enough.
0: play third base too. Like like his position's third base slash right field. So I guess they're thinking he could play third base or right field, whichever one. Um, yeah, yeah, you
2: no, I, 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 you don't want your two corner outfielders, Reese Hoskins and and Castellanos, because that your your defense already sucks as it is. You know you don't need that, and and hey, listen, Altair Altair has not hit this year. Nick Williams might be hitting two thirty, but he's had some big hits, so yeah. So is Altair I, Altair has had some big hits, and he's had some great plays defensively too. I, I'm okay with their outfield right now, Jack. I I, don't, I I'm not looking to, I'm not looking for a starter at the trade deadline unless it someone kind of falls in your lap.
0: Yeah, I mean they're gonna have a they're gonna have a monstrous asking price for Castellanos um just because he's still young and doesn't make any money so it's it's a, it's a tough proclamation to make but in right field i mean our next question from joe cornick actually relates to that uh, uh you guys going to war with williams altair cousins in right field or are you looking for an upgrade at that position of the deadline i don't think there's a guy to be out there or the guy that, that's out there that can really help them at the moment i don't think they really have a choice but to go with williams or altair um, cousins is a non-factor for me but um I don't think they have a choice this year, but I'm definitely not opposed to upgrading that position as soon as possible. Like, I I don't like Nick Williams long-term at all. I've made that clear. I wish Aaron Altair would play more, but he's been mostly unplayable because he's just been so out of sync at the plate. And actually, I would send him down for a little bit and just get him some consistent at-bats, and hopefully he can salvage some of his season. Um, but right now, like you are not, you just said right there, you're not looking for an upgrade in right field at the moment.
2: No, not, not for guys that – that like you said become available because now now if you have somebody that's going to be in right field so that was that mean nick williams in and altair aren't playing at all no man I, you I
0: put I, nick williams in a deal and trick someone into thinking he's good nah. yeah it, I, I think
2: i like nick williams a little bit better than you do um a little bit more than you do but I, right Everyone now does. right now i, I am f- i am fine going uh down the stretch with these guys let's do it
0: okay sounds good uh, another one from Joe Kornick. Uh, also, Knapp scares me a lot defensively, and let's face it, he doesn't provide a lot offensively. Um, I'd be up for an experienced backup for the stretch run. I think I think Andrew Knapp's actually made some nice improvements offensively. Defensively is still really bad. Like I don't want him, I don't want him catching a ninth inning with Sir Anthony. We saw the other night two pass balls in one inning. Um, no, Sir I was Anthony's sliders.
2: I was done with him after the um. What was the game that was the Orano where he there was he had a, a pass ball on Orano, and um, ended up costing him the game. No, I, 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 Andrew Knapp's in the majors because of his bat. He's not he's not up here because of his uh, his glove or his arm or whatever. Um, I, Joe Joe Kornick, I agree with you hundred percent. I've I've said this for the last couple of weeks. I need a defensive veteran catcher catcher in here, even if it's just to catch once or twice a week. You can bring Nap up off the off the bench, but yeah, now I, I it's 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 two young inexperienced catchers, and I would have thought they would have brought a a, a veteran in, and I think they will at the trade deadline.
0: Yeah, I mean you're not, you're not going to really carry three catchers. That doesn't seem like a great idea. When the
2: rosters um. expand, you might.
0: Yeah, you might. You might. It's it's interesting. I don't hate the idea of a backup catcher or an experienced backup catcher to help with pitch calling and helping out. Um, Alphara, I just don't know if there's like a good one out there at the at the moment. So,
2: Eric Kratz is in uh is in on the trade market?
0: No, because he's in Milwaukee and he's throwing knuckleballs in like <laughs> in an actual MLB game. Uh and for some reasons like raking, too. Or he's, he's hitting home
2: right. runs. He's hitting home runs. So I wonder got- how
0: many how his, his steroid package got in. That, that's he,
2: exactly what happened. He's listen. If this happens to him, he's got big power because he's getting thrown fastballs. And then the league kind of says, "All right, just don't throw him a fastball." And and uh, Eric with a K. I'm an Eric Kratz fan, but you know, once once they're like, "All right, we'll just throw him all speed stuff." That's probably that's when the average goes from 230 to 170.
0: And then he goes to the Orioles because he just seems like an Oriole. And he goes to Triple A. <laughs> <laughs> that, that whole Orioles team is just like a bunch of guys that, that <laughs> just try to hit home runs or strike out. It's one of the one of the wor- the worst built teams I think I've seen in like five years. They're so bad.
1: Buck Showalter's
2: Buck is a good manager. He, there's nothing he can do with this slop.
0: No, there's not. Like Trey Mancini looks like a pitcher trying to play left field. <laughs> like it's 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 embarrassing. Uh, uh, last one uh, from Sixers new GM at Poorly Thawed Out. That's an interesting uh, Twitter at. Yeah. Um, with the Nationals falling out of contention more and more, if by the trade deadline they're 8 to 10 games out, would you inquire about Bryce Harper or try to get Machado with him saying he's open to an extension but only wants to play shortstop? Bryce Harper, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think the, I think the Nationals are going to ride this into the ground. Um, and if they miss the playoffs, they miss the playoffs. And he walks if he walks.
2: I don't think Harper's going anywhere. I think Machado will get traded, and I do not believe that that Machado is going to sign an extension or be offered an extension uh, prior to coming to the new team. Who knows? But I don't think Harper's going anywhere. If I was the Nationals, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade Harper, and I would try to keep him. And I actually think that's how it shakes out that they they will they'll shell out the half a billion dollars to keep him, and he'll. Be a national until he opts out and goes to the Yankees in his mid 30s I don't know, but yeah, I, I think Jack. I think you're you're going to see a couple of trade deadline moves, and then after the after the trade deadline, when you can still make trades, uh, you'll probably see a couple of other moves. Pat Gillick did a great job in strengthening the team uh, before the trade deadline, and then after the trade deadline. So we'll see what contacts able to do.
0: Yeah, the one thought I kind of uh, was rattling around my brain was get Machado here. If he's open to sign the extension, um, then it lets you just recruit Harper all offseason. So you're, so you're not having a, a two-fledged, you know, you're not, you're not you're not trying to kill two. You're basically just getting, getting Machado and then going after Harper with full force in the offseason, selling him on Machado being here, playing with two of the top ten players in the game. I don't know. I, that, that thought did cross my mind. Um, but obviously the, the idea of Machado signing an extension during the season is just such a long shot that it's probably not going to happen. But I'd be I'd be interested to see if they go that route. I think I think my only goal for the deadline, more than Machado, more than anything, is I want them to go get a controllable reliever. And I, I think I think Brad Hand's a guy that I, I is my main target of the deadline. He can be your closer for the next three years as you're trying to actually compete for a world champion. It lets Sir Anthony settle into a role. I just think it's the most important thing going forward. And I think in this offseason, they'll go get Machado and pay him whatever. But getting a controllable reliever, not letting Brad Hand go to another contender and letting him stay there for three more years on a really cheap contract. I would shell out legit prospects to go with Brad Hand. And I think that's my, my main move from the deadline.
2: We will see. We will see. Sir Anthony's gonna be the, the closer going forward. Just uh you know, I know you, I, you 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 hear everybody talk about these high leverage situations. That's the new buzzword. High leverage situation. Um yes. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they can they can find one of these other relievers to do the high leverage situations. No, they can and put no, Sir Anthony in the true. ninth. That's not,
0: <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. It's <laughs> not true. You know it's not true. Um uh. One interesting way they might be able to fill this bullpen, and I, I didn't really see this coming, this is like a bit of a, I don't know, it, it's weird. So Gabe, Gabe, in the, on their off day on Monday, was watching Drew Anderson, a, a starter, he's with Lehigh Valley, I think, Yeah. sure. Yep. Um, I'm wondering if they're trying to see if they can do the same thing with him that they did with Sir Anthony. Absolutely. Do you think that's possible?
2: Yeah, of course it is. Absolutely. Yeah. It really depends. If Nisha comes back and he, he looks like he did last year, then maybe you don't have to worry about it. Maybe they're just looking at it and saying, like, this it, it it's smart. It really is. It's smart. You're getting guys that maybe aren't having as much success as starters and saying Worry about being a reliever. It gives you a couple ticks on your on your fastball. Get in that mentality right now, and you're seeing them do that through the organization. They're taking these young guys, and they're really saying you're getting to the majors, and you're getting to the majors quickly or quicker as a reliever. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it ends up working out for him. But I think it's a great idea.
0: I, I, I think so as well. Uh, all right. The Pirates are coming into town this weekend. The, the crowd, it feels like the crowds are getting a little bit bigger. Uh, it feels like the momentum around the Phillies is getting a little bit bigger. Um, I know, obviously, the, the fireworks last week helped, and Fourth of July today helped. But the, the talk ab- around the team is getting more exciting. Um, it, it feels like there, wow. there's, there's really some positive momentum uh, occurring with this Phillies team. And then the Pirates come to town this weekend. We got Nick Pavetta versus Trevor Williams on Friday night, Arietta versus Jamison Tyon on Saturday, which will be a lot of fun. Um, and then they haven't announced the pitcher for Sunday yet. Against Nick Kingham, so um, it is actually it
2: they, is actually in Pittsburgh, by the way, Jack. It? Yeah, it is. They're uh, oh, it isn't
0: Pittsburgh. That's on me.
2: they're oh, on I the know. road. That's all right. Bad job by you, but it happens. Well, they're you know, they're Pittsburgh on the ro- they're good. on the road until the All Star break, and then I think coming out of the All Star break too, they play a bunch of road games against bad teams too. So yeah, but
0: seventeen and twenty one on the road. Um, I know this last stretch was important, just from playing good teams and, and matching up against them, but you, you got to beat bad teams on the road, and they haven't been a great road team. I'm interested to see how they come out of this.
2: And then the the Padres come to town. They're bad. Um, no, Does I, Freddie
0: Galvis get a standing ovation? Or? Oh,
2: absolutely. Howard Eskin himself will be down there saying, listen, it'll be interesting to see if if the, the trade deadline, if they try to get a veteran shortstop, not saying Galvis, but like Galvis, uh, to solidify the, the middle infield, but... What were we talking about? Oh, that yeah. No bad bad teams. This this team, if you don't, if they don't watch themselves, could lose seven of ten games against my, the Miamis and the Mets and the Pirates. Gotta look out. Can't can't be worried, Can't be feeling yourself too much. Can't be smelling yourself too much. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. So listen, it's a, it's an important stretch, every, especially for a team this young. Um, it's a bad stretch against bad teams. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, tr- I think I'm beginning to trust this team. Their starting staff is, uh, is giving them a chance every single night out- going out there. So It's fun, man. It's fun. This team is fun. It's good to have baseball back in Philadelphia. And now everyone's going be watching, and we're going to see even more bad takes. The bad takes around a good team, uh, they're, they're going to start filing into our mentions, John. So uh, just start preparing yourself for that, okay? Um,
2: yeah, they're fun. They're fun. I especially love it when members of the media... Uh, have terrible takes as, as they normally do, but they have bad takes because it gives it gives us something to talk about. It's almost like free. It's free uh, stimulus for us. So yeah, bring the bring the bad takes. Bring the bad takes. We're we're here for it. Yeah,
0: yeah. and then we'll, we'll we'll expose them on the high hopes podcast. Absolutely, so, so, so we do. do it. Yep. Uh, for for John Marks, for Jack Fritz, for James Seltzer who was not here enjoying his Fourth of July. Uh, we'll be back with a new episode on Sunday. Talk to you soon.